Let's go to our text that we've been using all series throughout this series uh, on the path. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold what? All things have become new. Come on, how many's thankful? If anyone is in Christ, how many's in Christ this morning? Amen, new person in Jesus. He says a new creation has already come. Old things have passed away, and I love this word. Say it with me, all. All things have become brand new. We're in a series called The Path, that God has a journey. He already has a predestined plan for you and my our lives today, when we were formed in the womb of our mother, God had already predestined our life. And I want to talk to you about that today. We are in this series, and, and we're talking about four promises, four things that God has desired of every one of us. We build this church around these four steps. They're found in Exodus 6, 6, and 7. They're the four promises or the four cups that God made with the Jewish people, and he makes with us as Christians today. The first thing that God wants from you and I is he just wants us to know God. He wants us to know him, to know him personally. God's not that interested in your church attendance at first. He's not interested in your tithe at first. He's not interested in what you have to give back. Those things are reported down the road. God just wants you to know him first. He just wants you to have a personal relationship with him. Once you know God and I know God, the second thing is he wants you to begin to find freedom. Because when we come to Jesus, we bring our stuff with us, don't we? And, and he frees us from stuff. But how many's found out and will acknowledge with me that this is a journey that never ends? Anybody besides me still working on some junk? Come on, the rest of you got a lying issue, and we'll get with that one in another series. But we find freedom that God says, I've got you out of the world, and I want to help get the world out of you. And, and I want to start freeing you. And he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and I'll give you the will and the power to do that. And once we start this journey of finding freedom and we're letting God set us free and we're getting rid of stuff, I want to talk to you today. This third thing is he wants you to begin to discover your purpose, that, that God has predestined you and I with purpose. And once we discover our purpose, we start making a difference in the lives of others. And the greatest thrill that Pastor Brad and I, along with our ministry team here at Transformation Church, the greatest thrill we have in life is to take every one of you on this journey. This journey of life called knowing God. We want to know that you know him. Finding freedom. We do that through our small group ministry. And, and through small groups, you will never find your purpose in Jesus in big events. You will find them through relationships. And so finding freedom and then discover purpose. Once you begin to walk out your freedom, you start finding out why you're here. Discovering your purpose. And we do that through our growth track. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. And then together as a church family, we make a difference in the lives of others. And so you see most people that are rejecting. How many of you know people in your life today, you talk about church or Christianity. Ah, I don't want nothing to do with that. Come on, anybody besides me still working on some of them people? All right, yeah, I've seen enough, heard enough, don't want that. All right? And the reason that many are turned off to Christianity today is they're rejecting what they think it is. They're rejecting their perception. They're rejecting their image from what they've seen or heard, and they've never had a true personal encounter with God yet. And so if they knew what it was really about, no one would say no to it. 
If they really knew what this thing called Christianity and knowing Jesus is about, there wouldn't be an empty seat in the church pew today in Pensacola. Everybody would be running to get this. But I want us to look at this today because you see, if they understand salvation is the religious term, but it comes from a term called redeem. When Jesus saves us, he redeems us. And I love this word redeem. It means to buy back or repurchase. It means to change for better, to cause to reform. You see, too many have set our personal goals too low. Our good day is just not to have a bad day. Come on, somebody. Like, what do you want today? Just better than yesterday. I mean, we've lost all concept of waking up and going, this is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, my Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he. We, that's not even in our concept today. I'm just hoping today's better than yesterday. No, no. That's why those other people are going, Christianity, nah, I'm doing as good as you are, and I don't have it. Because they don't understand redeem means I want to bring back and reform. I want to bring back and, and repurchase. It means, and I love this, to repair or to restore. And you know, you can go get an old junkered car that's an antique that's not worth anything right now, but if you go restore it, it becomes of more value than it was the day it was originally made. Oh, I'm going somewhere, and you know where I'm going. You and I were broken, dysfunctional. We were worthless. We had no value. But Jesus says, I want to redeem you. I want to restore you. And when he takes our brokenness and he restores us, we become of more value than we were the day he created us in the womb of our mother because we've been redeemed. And when the world begins to understand that, but they can't get it if we don't get it. And that's why 87% of the church finds God. They know God, but they spend their whole Christian life trying to work out their freedom. And they never feel good enough because you're basing your worth on what other people have told you you're worth rather than who Jesus says you are. And when we get past that and understand the redemptive work that Jesus has done on the cross, we start moving into our purpose. And I want to talk to you about that purpose today. Because you see, Jesus said in Exodus 6, 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And that word outstretched arm there, it means we see ourselves lower than he does. And we keep beating ourselves down until we get further and further into the pit. But God said, if you make your bed in hell, I'm going to mess you up there. You can't get so low that I can't get you. you. You can't think so bad about yourself that I can't pick you up. You can't let so many negative words come in your heart that I can't open your eyes and let you see who you really are in me and in my kingdom. And with an outstretched arm, how I many has got a mama? Mama's got rubber arms. You know what I'm saying? Mama's arm will go five miles down the road, slap you upside the head when you're where you don't belong. Am I? Come on, somebody help me in here. I mean, you think you're getting away. You think mama don't know. How many said mama's arms show up when you didn't want mama to know where you? I mean, you just feel it. You feel mama knows. Mama knows. Go home. Mama's got it. Can I tell you, God's that way. He said, I've got an outstretched arm that won't let you go. And I love you too much to let you get by. So I'm going to reach you wherever you go. I'm going to find you because we've got a redemption work that we want to take place in your heart and in your life. And so let me quickly get into the message today. I want to talk to you about some things that prevent us 
from experiencing the promise of redemption. Number one is our imperfections. Anybody besides me got a whole list of these? And when I think I'm doing pretty good, my wife reminds me they're still there. Come on. <laughs> I mean, who needs the Holy Spirit to convict you when you have a wife? That's what I'm just saying. All right. Now, she's my angel. She's my hero. And she builds me up. But she does remind me when I leave stuff on the kitchen table and their shoes are not in the closet. She reminds me, okay? All right. But imperfections, imperfections. We don't see ourselves in the greatness that God sees us. We see all that we do wrong when God's seeing all that he's making right. He that knew no sin became sin, so you and I can become the righteousness standing in the rightness of God through Christ Jesus. That when God looks on us, he doesn't see us in our sin nature, he sees us in the righteousness of his son. And he sees us in greatness while we see us in failure. We see our imperfections. When we see problems, God sees the purpose and the potential of those problems. That God's gonna make something good and beautiful out of it. The psalmist put it like this. He said, you stoop down. You stoop down in order to make me great. You, you, you came low so that you could lift me up and make me great. God's got greatness. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, God's got greatness for me. He's got greatness in my life. God's got something great planned for me. He really does. If, if, I'm not a motivational speaker up here today. I'm telling you the word of God. That God says that he stooped low, not so that he could just get you out of hell. He stooped low so that he could make you great. Because he's got purpose and destiny planned for mine in your life. You see, too many are living at the mercy, as I said, of what others think about you. You will never enter your future while you're living in your past. It will never happen. You've got to come and understand that, that God wants to move you. Satan wants to condemn you while God's wanting to convict you. That Satan comes to condemn you. You're a mess and there's no way out. God brings conviction. You're still a mess, but we're going to walk out together. Come on, somebody. God's not ignoring the mess. He's just saying you don't have to stay in it. We're going to walk it out together because I've got greatness planned for you. Paul says in Ephesians 2, and I love this, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He created us, what? Un redeemed us, Remember? He went and restored. He made a new. A new means that he's already previously made us, but he's making us again. So we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because the word redeem means I want to take you back to my original purpose and plan for your life when I created you in the womb of your mother. But abuse and offenses and hurt and failure and sin has taken place in your life to, to move you away from my purpose and the masterpiece that I wanted. And you don't see yourself as that greatness that I see you. He said, but I want to come back and create you anew. I want to recreate you. I, I want to come back and redeem you. I want to take you back to my original plan in the womb of your mother, we're gonna bypass all of that negativity and we're gonna come back and bring you back to the plan that I had for you long ago. Long ago. And so we've gotta come and understand that our imperfections 
are a hindrance to us fulfilling God's purpose and finding that redemptive work. Number two is deviations. Deviations. And what does that mean? Satan is a master at diverting us from where we need to be. And if if he can just divert you, he doesn't need to get you in sin. He just needs to get you off course. And if I get off course, I miss my purpose. And if I miss my purpose, I'll live the rest of my life trying to find freedom. And if I'm spending my whole life feeling like I'm not good enough for God, why did I know him to start with? And so Satan's not over here going, I'm going to get him on drugs. No, he just wants to divert you first. He just wants to bring this diversion, all right? And diversions take place from good and bad things. Sometimes it's a tragedy. Sometimes a tragedy happens. Suddenly we have a loss of a loved one or, or a deep painful event takes place in our life and it diverts us. We're hurt, we're wounded, we're empty, we're broken. And, and they're real. How many besides me go, got been there, done that, rode that horse, can wear the shirt, amen? I mean, we, we've all had those things and they divert us if we don't see them for what they are. Part of it's just life in general, but then the enemy will take life and he'll use it to divert us and to get us off course. Sometimes it's good things that brings diversion. Satan will use that. I've watched people in church pray for God to bless some favor of God on their life, and then God blesses them with a job or an opportunity of a career, and that takes place and priority in their life now, and that diverts them from their relationship with God. And, and now they're over here seeking out what God said. If you seek the kingdom first, I'll add this to you. And now they're seeking this out and losing the kingdom. And it's a diversion. I've watched people pack up and leave and, and everything, and then their kids quit ch- church, and they keep their family out of church, and, and everybody backslides. Nobody's serving God, and they lose their career eventually because when you lose everything that matters, why keep this? And everything was a diversion. And I'm not against promote. I pray it every day for every one of you. I have a list of every person that attends this church. I pray over it every day. Favor, blessing, jobs, resources, income, raises, promotions, blessing. I pray it over you. And we're watching God do it. I pray it over you every day that God bless every person in this house. Let favor rest upon you. But don't fall to the trap of the enemy and think everything that glitters is gold. You've got to find out, is this still God's plan for me? And then there's extracurricular activity. Let me, let me just say right there on that blessing, one of the young men on this stage was recently given an opportunity of a career that's phenomenal, and he met with me, and he said, Pastor, I'm turning it down. I didn't tell him to. He said, I'm not accepting it because it will take me away from my purpose in life. I'm born to lead worship. And he turned it down to stay here and be a worship leader in this church. And it wasn't but weeks after that that God promoted him to the job that he's got now that's taken what God. I'm just saying, don't let the enemy, it doesn't have to be something bad. It can be something positive. But if it diverts you from God's purpose, you need to recheck it. Because God's favor doesn't take you out of the kingdom. It makes you a bigger masterpiece in it. And then number three is extracurricular activity. Uh, Today, pulling out of my subdivision, I watched the ballpark filling up. And I'm I'm not, I played ball for 14 years, so I'm not a preacher up here going, if your kid plays ball on Sunday, you're all going to hell, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but you need to be careful because the enemy's wise. His name means subtle, shrewd, crafty, sneaky. And have you noticed that everything the world wants to do today with our children is on Sunday? You wanna know why? He wants you and your family out of the house of God. 
He doesn't want you here. He wants to divert you. And, and, and I'm not saying again that if you're out and you have a kid has a ball game on a cinema, I'm saying, I'm just saying don't let that become the norm. If you get a vacation, go with your family. Go on. Leave, get away. I'm taking her one weekend. We're gone. Okay? We need that. All right? But I'm saying don't let the enemy bring this diversion and, and all of a sudden everything becomes important that's more important than the house of God. Because you need to be amongst the people of God. And so understand the enemy, he wants to bring this diversion. You know what diversion means in the Greek? It means to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. Then it means to cut a ditch in the middle of your road. You know what he does? The enemy puts this ditch in the middle of your road to make you go around. And you spend all your time going around trying to come back to what God originally had for you that you never would have experienced if you hadn't had the ditch in the road. So be observant and understand the enemy's got subtle plans that he wants to use against you. You see, Romans, Paul said in Romans 8, he said, but we know that God causes everything to work together. And watch this now. How many's heard this verse? We know all things that God causes everything to work together for those that love, for, together for the good of those who love God. Come on, how many's heard that part? It doesn't end there. All things work together for the good to those who love God and, there's a prerequisite, and are called according to his purpose. They only work together for the good if you're connected to the purpose. You disconnect from the purpose and there's no reason for anything taking place good. And that's why the enemy wants to come and, and divert you from God's purpose in your life because then it nullifies God's favor and blessing on your life. Paul goes on to say in Romans 11, he says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. That God's call, his promise, his plan, his purpose for mine in your life, he never takes it away. We, we mess up, we make mistakes, but it doesn't disqualify us. God still wants to reform, redeem us. He wants to see that take place in our life. God has never changed his mind. Things are gonna happen. Easter Sunday, standing right over there. Nine o'clock service, I'm about to walk on this stage and preach to the largest crowd we've ever had in this church. And Ashley calls Brad, Jabin, my little four-year-old grandson's terminal. That's why Brad's not here today. He just stopped breathing. We can't get him to breathe. We, we can't get him to breathe. He just stopped breathing. And, and I'm walking out here to preach, not knowing if my grandson's dead or alive. Last Sunday, same thing. Another attack, Thursday night, Thursday, all day, we almost lost him, over 30 seizures and, 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 and hospices there. And, and we had people tell us today, Brad was supposed to preach today. He said, Dad, I gotta be, I said, I know you need to be home. I'll cover, nah, we'll get a guest to come in. I said, no, nah, we ain't bringing no guests. One of us is preaching because we have purpose. We have purpose, and I'm saying, I'm not saying that to be sympathetic for me. I'm saying that my purpose identifies me. My purpose drives me. My purpose woke me up this morning. My purpose is why I breathe and why I live. And you gotta understand, God's got purpose for you and the enemy wants to take away your purpose because if he takes away your purpose, he takes away your reason. And, and you gotta come today and realize you gotta learn how to play hurt. I mean, we played ball, I played baseball for 14 years. I caught when, when I had torn ligaments and I didn't get paid a dime. 
I see these pro athletes getting paid 20 million a year and they stub their pinky and they got to sit out for a game. I'm like, what's going on with this? You know what I'm saying? No, you got to learn how to play hurt, man. You got to learn that I've got purpose. And my purpose drives me to please him, become that masterpiece that he's called us to be. And so I want us to look at this today. What's the promise of redemption? Redemption, again, means to put something back into its original uh, place, order, function. It means to return back to an original intent. In Ephesians, read this with me. It's a powerful, powerful scripture, and it's kind of long, so stay with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before he ever put this world in place, God already chose you. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted, part of, redeemed into the beloved. Having predestined us to adoption. Why, why is that so important? Because you and I were Gentiles. We, we were outside the covenant agreement. We, we couldn't get in this thing. But Jesus died so that whosoever will now it's not just for Jews, it's for Jews and Gentile. Whosoever will can come. And, and, and you've heard me say it if you attend this church, but we have our biological children and we have two Vietnamese children and, and we're looking to legally adopt them so that they can have all the rights when we pass away that my biological children have. And what we found is this, that in the state of Florida, your adopted children have more rights than your biological children. I can take my biological children out of the will. Isn't that fun? You better behave today. You better treat me good in that nursing home. I'm taking you out. I can take my biological children out of the will, but you can't take your adopted children out. They're in for life. I'm adopted. You're adopted. We've been adopted as sons of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You can't be taken out of the will. You, you can't be taken out of the covenant. You can't be taken out of the promises. You, Satan can't take you out. Oh, I messed up. You can't take me out. Oh, I had a bad day. You can't take me out. I stumbled along the journey. You can't take me out. I've been adopted. I've been brought in, and I'm in for life. And to understand that, we've got to understand three things. Very quickly, I'm going to give them to you and wrap it up. Number one is we've all sinned. We've all sinned. Every one of us in this room has sinned. We've been born into sin. All mankind is born into sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We've all sinned, and we have to come to the understanding that every one of us in this room needs a Savior. And when I grab hold of that, I'm not telling everybody else what's wrong with them. I'm still looking at what needs to be fixed in me. 
And we realize that every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. You see, Jesus didn't find you or me in the Saks Fifth Avenue. He found us in a pawn shop. Broken, dysfunctional, loss of value, but he still found us. And he came and he redeemed us and brought us back to his original purpose and his original plan. And we're more valuable today than we were before Satan stole us and broke us up, messed us up. We have more value today. And we've got to come and understand that Jesus wants to come and change your life. But we realize we've all sinned. Number two is Jesus Christ sets us free from the penalty of sin. We've all sinned. But Jesus sets us free from the penalty of sin. Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption, there's the word redemption, the purchasing back that came by Christ Jesus, that we fall short of the glory of God, but now we are justified, and the word justified there means just as if we had never sinned. So we all get to stand just as we had never sinned freely by his grace. And today we realize that, that though all have sinned, that we realize that through Jesus Christ, we are free today from the penalty of our sin. That when he bore our sins on the body on the cross, he freed us not only from our sin, but he freed us from the penalty of our sin. That leads us to number three, is there's redemption, the sign of true freedom. All of us have sinned. Jesus paid the penalty to free us from our sin. But then we come back in that understanding to this word that we started with called redemption. Jesus wants to redeem us. He wants to bring us back to that original purpose. Do you know that there was a day, and many here have heard me talk about this because I use it a lot, but there was, there was a day that, that there was an emancipation proclamation declared. Abraham Lincoln, it cost him his life, but he made an emancipation proclamation that slavery is abolished. How many appreciate the diverse congregation family? Amen? Love it, love it. Slavery is abolished. And that word traveled all through America. It went down into the south, into the plantations. It went down into the, it went all the way down the dirt roads into the little cities and towns. Slavery is abolished. But what blew the minds of many was how so many of our African-American brothers that were now free continued to live on just like a slave. Because though a law had been written, though a life had been taken in representation of that proclamation, most African-American or blacks in the United States continue to live on like nothing had happened. Because though outwardly and inwardly they were now free, there was a mental bondage that they had to be able to move through in order to let that real freedom take place in their life. And there's an old saying that was used at that time, if you can keep them ignorant, you can keep them in the field. And that's what the enemy did, is he kept many uh, blacks ignorant. And anyone that knows and will be honest enough to speak the truth, there is a massive injustice taking place in our nation today. One out of three black males will go to prison. 
A sentence for a black American, especially male in this nation, is seven to 10 times that of any other nationality for the same crime. That can't be ignored. And But what we've got to come and understand today is right here in this room, because you see there was another proclamation made one day when Jesus hung on a cross and he died and he was buried, but three days later he resurrected. And, and it was a proclamation on that day that said sin is abolished. That mankind is no longer a slave to sin. Sin no longer has to be your master. But the same tragedy, history repeated itself that 87% of those in the church hadn't got the memo yet. Keep them ignorant and you keep them in the field. Keep them ignorant to the truth that I've been redeemed. I'm a masterpiece. He's taken me back to my original purpose. I'm a slave to no man. I'm a slave to no sin. I'm special. I'm adopted. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir to the kingdom of heaven. And across this room today are black professionals and black people that are extremely successful. Doctors, dentists, financial people, nurses, accountants, and the list goes on and on, law enforcement. I mean, all along. And let me tell you the difference of them and those that go to prison. I can promise you, and I say this very carefully, but I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. I can promise you, fitting into the message, if you go to those young men that are spending their life in prison, if you go to their lineage, they never had a relative in that lineage get it. They constantly had the slavery mentality. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'm always beat down. I see myself lower. I've let other people determine my value and my worth. And they lived that life and it put that next generation into addictions and criminal and whatever because they never saw themselves for who Jesus saw them. Come on, am I right? But across this room today, if I look at a Jonathan Lloyd who worships on this team, you go meet his mama. That's one of the strongest women you'll ever meet in your life, man. She knows who she is in God. She broke that lie over her son. I look at Tremaine and Jasmine, who are both successful in their career, but I see their mama, Van. She's a very quiet, simple lady, but she broke that curse over her family and her children are flourishing and they're leaders in this church today. And I can go from one to another to another. I see a Jawan over here who was raised by a single mother, but that mother, though she had a rough lifestyle, she came out of generations that were cursed. She made up her mind one day, I'm special. I'm a masterpiece, and she's raising a masterpiece. And I'm saying, what, what I'm saying to you today, if the enemy can keep you ignorant, he'll keep you in the field, struggling, surviving, low, owned by something or someone for the rest of your life. But if you'll receive this word today, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God's got purpose for you. God's got plans for you. God's got something amazing for you. He predestined it before you ever formed in the womb of your mother. Don't you give that up for nobody and nothing. You be who God's called you to be. You let God's favor and blessing pour into your life and don't apologize for it because he paid for it. It's yours and it's yours free today in Jesus' name. You receive God's word today? You receive it? Thank you, Father.
Bow your heads for me, if you will. Father, I pray over this congregation right now. I pray your love, your grace, your peace. I pray, God, that you'll let heaven just fill the hearts of every person here today. And I pray for those that are in a struggle right now. I pray, God, for those, Lord, that feel, God, that, that God just, it can't change. But, God, today, I pray you drop a word in their heart. It's already changing. It's already changing. Starting today, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you destroy every diversive plan the enemy has put into their path. I pray, God, you cover those ditches, God, and give them a clear path and let them walk in it. I pray today, God, that you allow us to see past our imperfections. And, and God, I pray, Lord, you'll let us see that we are masterpieces in your hand and you're molding us. You're still working on us, though we're not there yet. God, I pray hope into every life today. I pray the joy of the Lord will be strength into every heart. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray right now for those in this building that might not be where they need to be with you. I pray today would be their day of decision, their day of choice. And if you're here in this room right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I hear you today. And man, I've just let the enemy lie to me, lie to me, lie to me. And today I realize that Jesus loves me and I just need to make some right choices today. I need to make a right decision. And today I'm not a believer in Jesus. I know he's real, but I'm not a Christian. I'm not walking with him like I know I need to. I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up wherever you sit? And you can put it right back down and join those that did this morning. God bless you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. Anyone else? Very quickly. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe online. Maybe you need to pray that prayer with us today. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Anyone else before we pray? God bless you, ma'am. Jesus loves you today. We love you too. We want to see you win. We want to help you win. In Jesus' name. If you raise your hand or you did not, the rest are going to join me so you don't feel alone. Will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess that I can believe and I can receive you. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person. I'm redeemed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's celebrate.